is Pentecost? Is it this week or next week? Well, Pentecost is one of the seven feasts that God appointed to meet with us. Okay? And when you set a calendar, you set it based on very specific parameters. You don't just throw it out there and let's meet together whenever we can. Okay? God's got a very set time frame when he is appointed to meet with us. Now, he told us in Leviticus when that is. You will celebrate the first feast after the barley harvest. Okay, so you won't know that too much until the springtime, what it looks like. But most of our calendars are based on, this is October and I've got to print out calendars for everybody to buy them, so it's being done ahead of time. And sometimes it's a hit or miss. So that's why a little confusion in terms of what it is. The Pentecost this year is going to be next week based on the what I call the Jerusalem calendar. Okay? But seeing it's that way in the calendar for the secular world, we get a double portion. Okay, we get to talk about it twice. And then the other thing this morning is there was a conversation around the fifty. When does we when do we start counting the fifty days? I wish I had realized it. Uh, but God tells us very specifically when to start counting. I'm not sure I wish I had realized it. It's either in Numbers twenty five or somewhere in Leviticus where the Lord very specifically says, You start counting the fifty on this day very specifically. So it's not again a hit or a miss, it's part of a um, a conversation that God wants to have. He wants to meet with us and he's telling us, I will meet with you on this specific day. Okay? So that's what the feasts are about. Um, we're going to celebrate another one not too, too far down the road when we do the tabernacles. That's another one that's very specifically described. Um Let's start. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the grace that you pour upon us. And I thank you for your word. I ask you to open the ears of the listeners so that they may receive what the Holy Spirit wants them to hear and know. Father, I ask you to speak through me so that I may be out of the way and they see you. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, the title of the message is Holy Spirit, Friend or Foe, Part 2. A couple of weeks ago, we did Part 1. Okay? So I'm going to do a short review here. Um, And most of the scripture references I'm using are from the New American Standard Bible, except for I've noted. Because I do notice there are some differences in terms of which translation you use. And some of them come across a lot clearer than others, okay? So I selected a few passages from other places because they came across a lot clearer than what the New American Standard was saying. Um, The main text for part one and part two comes out of John chapters 14 through 16. Now, most of the theologians believe that this is during the time frame 
about 12 to 15 hours from when um, Judas Iscariot left to go betray Jesus and his crucifixion. Now, Jesus has already told them that I am about to die. And they're all going, no, you know, we're going to take care of it. It's going to be okay. Well, Jesus is saying, no, I know what's going to happen. I'm about to die. Now, I want you to have ears to hear what I'm telling you because this is the most important thing I want you to know. Okay, so if you spend some time wanting to hear what Jesus considers as most important, read those three chapters. Okay? Now, in review, um, those chapters tell us that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. He's not a ghost. He's not Casper. Okay, he's not a force. He's not a power. He's a person. Second thing it tells us is the Holy Spirit is God and he's part of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, now, when I say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or whenever you hear that type of language, that's only describing their position. That's not their name. Their name is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because remember, the triune God is one person. I don't fully understand how that all works, but that's what the fact is. So when we use those distinctives, that helps us to focus on which one it is, but his name is God. Okay? Um, the next point we discussed in part one was Jesus promised to ask the Father to send a parakletos in the Greek. I think I'm still pronouncing it fairly close, right? Um, it's a, the root word meaning one who comes aside to give aid. And it's translated usually as helper, comforter in the King James, friend in the message, and advocate in some other translations. What it means is you have somebody that's walking with you, okay, to help you, okay, and he will help you only if you ask him. Okay, but it's somebody who's walking aside you to help you. Okay, the next thing is um, the Holy Spirit as a helper comes with many benefits. Okay, one of them is power. I'll be discussing that a little bit further later on in the message. But the power is to help us to witness uh, he gives me words to speak. Okay, and that was in uh, Mark 12:11 and Luke 12:12. 12, 12. Okay, don't be concerned with what. Okay, uh, the situation you're in. I will give you the words to say. That's basically what the passage says. He also gives me a check in the spirit. There are times where I will want to say something, and the Holy Spirit will say, mm, "You might want to reconsider that." And the way you usually hear this is, I know I shouldn't be saying this, but. And then after the but is finished, they go, I really shouldn't have said that. 
Well, the Holy Spirit told you that before you started. Pay attention. Okay? So that's another benefit that he gives us. Um, He helps us to pray effectively. Now, one of the things that I was really caught with is the passage says, we do not know what to pray. Okay, I always thought, yeah, I do. Well, here's what the scripture says. We do not know how to pray as we should, but the the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he will, he, excuse me, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for all the saints according to the will of God. And that's in Romans 8, 26 and 27. So, and when I say when we don't know what to pray, that's assuming that sometimes we do know. Scripture says we don't know. Okay? But he's there to help us. Okay? And he knows exactly what the situations are. We think we know in part, but he knows the whole because he's part of the Godhead. So he knows exactly what needs to be prayed for. So if you've got a prayer language, use it. Okay? Um, uh, the Holy Spirit helps us to develop the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 one of the things he does with us, okay? Helps us to develop and mature. And then there are the gifts of the Spirit. Now, these are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11. So, here we go. That was the review. Any questions? Okay. I'm going to shift now for a minute and give us some background. Okay? In Hebrews um, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, okay, there's what most theologians describe as the doctrines of Christ. Okay? And it says in Hebrews 6, chapter 1 and 2, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation. Now, this is the foundation. It's not more mature stuff. This is the foundation of the faith. It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God and the doctrines of baptism. Now, that's the one I'm going to focus on today. Okay, doctrines of baptisms, and notice it's plural. And of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So those are the basics of the Christian faith. Okay, and Paul is saying, I don't want to go over that again. I need you to learn those because we have other things to talk about that will bring you on a higher plane with your walk with the Lord. Okay? Um, so now let's take a look at the, the doctrines of Christ called the baptisms. There's three of them. 
Um, can you put up the first slide? Thank you. There's the Holy Spirit baptism into Jesus. And that occurs when you're born again. Okay, that point in time where you put your faith in God, okay, through either believing or through repentance or sometimes we use the terminology, the blood, but whenever the scripture is talking about repentance, believing, or the blood, we're talking about the born-again experience or the born-from-above, if you prefer, experience. When that occurs, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Jesus. Now, the passage of Scripture is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. Uh, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into Christ's body. Okay, we're talking about the church here. Jesus' body. We've all been baptized into Christ's body by one Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And we shall receive the same Spirit. Okay? So when we're born again... Some other passages talked about we receive the seal of the Holy Spirit, that's part of the baptism, to denote you're one of His. Okay? I see someone thinking about what's going on here. So that's the first baptism. You're born, born again into, or excuse me, you're baptized into Jesus. The second baptism is what we call the baptism in it happens after salvation. Now I've got a note here that says if you've been born uh, baptized as an infant, this isn't the same thing. Baptism of water is a decision you make, not something that somebody else has made, and it always happens after you've been born again. Okay? Now the passage of scripture is Matthew 28:19. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You're not a disciple if you're not born again. Okay? You may be a student, but you're not a disciple. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 18, or Matthew 29, 19. The one that's the most controversial is this one. A lot of people will say you don't need this one, okay, or it doesn't exist, or there's any number of things that folks will say. Uh, And I can understand why. Um, Before I learned who the Holy Spirit was, I heard a lot of crazy stories, okay? So I can understand why people are afraid of it, but the scripture very specifically says I am the one who's baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. Now, the passage of Scripture, I'm going to read John 1, 33 and 34, but you see the same thing in uh, Mark 3:11 and Luke 3:16. Um, I did not recognize him at first. This is John the Baptist speaking. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, 
He upon whom you see the Spirit descending. In another passage, that's a dove. Okay? He you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him. This is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. This is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Okay? Um, Now there's a discussion that says, well, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is only for the 12. It's only for the 120. John the Baptist is saying this before Jesus went out to the desert and spent 40 days. He selected his 12. I'm getting some ringing. He's selecting the 12 after he came back from the desert. Okay? So folks that say that is because they don't understand what the scriptures are saying. This baptism is for all who wish to receive it. Okay, again, that's a decision I make. That's a decision you make. Um, The typical pattern in scripture is you have salvation followed by water baptism followed by baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here is a couple of examples, four examples. I'm going to read three, but there's four examples in the Acts in terms of how the pattern runs. The first example is in Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, repent. Again, remember, when we say repent, believe, or we talk about the blood, this is all talking about salvation experience, the born-again experience. Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus, that's water baptism, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you see the, the three of them. Repent, be born again, be baptized, this is baptized in water, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, in the John 14 to 16 passage, Jesus mentions very significantly in several places, wait in Jerusalem until I send you the promised one, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So this is what they're talking. They've now received it. In those 14, in those John passages, he hasn't come yet. Here, he's already come. The second example is found in Acts 8. Uh, And I'm going to read from 9, well, it's Acts 8, 9 to 17. I'm going to read, I think it's around 11. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon, the sorcerer, himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. This is Simon, the sorcerer. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed because he knew what kind of sorcery he was doing and this far superior to anything he had done. But it's not quite the point, but that's part of the story. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem, okay, and we're in Samaria right now, that's where Philip is. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, They sent Peter and John. 
and Peter and John. Wrong one. Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So at this point they had been born again and they had been water baptized. But it was so important for them to receive the Holy Spirit that Peter and John went to help them with that. Um, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. Now you would think if salvation and the water baptism is all you need okay, to walk victoriously in your Christian walk they wouldn't make a big deal of this. But they did. Um, so when they heard this, they were baptized in the name, uh, wrong one again, uh, who came down, they sent Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they, the two apostles, began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So that's part of the normal stuff that occurred. Now I've heard from the theologians, I don't know how they figure this out, but they are saying the first account was um, where Peter spoke. That occurred on the first year of the church. This account of Philip occurred five years later. Okay? Now the next one, third example, is uh, found in Acts 19, 1-7. And uh, the passage says, It happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus, and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's the first thing he asks them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Must be important. Must be important. And they said, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. There's a lot of folks in the church like that today. Okay? They're going, yeah, we see his name here, but we don't know what that means. It just happens that those other churches do crazy things in his name. Well, it's because they don't know and they don't understand. Okay? So, um, and they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he, Paul, said... Into what then were you baptized? Well, he's checking up to see are they really followers of Christ, followers of Jesus? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul goes, No wonder. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so they got the baptism, that water baptism that we were describing. 
And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men. So it tells you how important this is. Now, make sure that we discern this correctly. What you need to go to heaven is to be born again. Baptism by the Holy Spirit into Jesus is what you need to go to heaven. But that doesn't mean your walk's going to be very victorious. Okay? And I'll show some patterns, because there's several patterns in the Old Testament and the New Testament where it's the sacrifice is recognized. Jesus is our sacrifice on the cross. There's water baptism. Water's involved. And there's the Holy Spirit that's also involved. And that's a pattern that shows up quite often. Now, we're talking about 50s earlier. Threes show up a lot. Now, the fourth example is found in Acts 10. Um, That's a really long one, but I'll give you the short version. Cornelius asks Peter to come and talk to them about the vision he heard. So Peter gives them the salvation message. Okay, and these are Gentiles. Peter gives them the salvation message. They're all born again, baptized, and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they get all three of the baptisms as well. So those are four examples that show up very clearly in the uh, New Testament, in the book of Acts. Now, let me shift a little bit. We're going to talk about patterns of three. Okay, because baptisms is three of them, and we'll talk about patterns of three. In 1 John... Chapter 5, verse 7. Okay, and this is the King James. Okay, the New American Standard wasn't very clear, but the King James is very clear. It says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. The Word, of course, is Jesus. Okay? Um, Gospel of John, first chapter. Um, Question. These three are in agreement in heaven concerning what? What would they be in total agreement together? Supernatural life. Okay? If you spend time looking at John, that's what he's talking about. So those three are in agreement of supernatural life. Well, that makes sense because, okay, they're above us and that's who they are. But verse 8, okay, so that's 1 John 5 verse 8, says, and these three bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Now we're talking about the blood. That's the born again experience that they're referring to. The water, we're talking about water baptism. And the spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Those three are in agreement with the same message as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. What are they in agreement to? Same thing. Supernatural life. Okay? So that's a pattern, okay, that follows what the three baptisms are doing. Here's another pattern. From the Old Testament. When Israel crossed the Red Sea, okay, and that's in Exodus 13 and 14, Moses is seen as a type of the Savior. He's a type of Jesus because he did bring his people out of, he's the one that God focused on to bring his people out of Egypt. Well, here's what occurs. Sacrifice. We have the Passover lamb, okay, that they had to sacrifice and eat before they left. The crossing of the Red Sea. They're crossing through the water. Okay, it's a picture of baptism. And Israel is led by a pillar of fire and smoke day and night. And that's a type of the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit, if you prefer. Here's the key thing. Before they crossed over the Red Sea to the other side, they were slaves in Egypt. We are slaves to sin, okay, before we're born again and go through that process. When they got to the other side, they were now free men, free women. Okay, so it's a picture of what goes on with the three baptisms and what the Christian faith is about. Okay, so it's a type. Um, Chris, can you put up the second slide? Another example can be seen of the process that Israel performed yearly on the Day of Atonement. The tabernacle was built according to the pattern showed Moses, Exodus 25, verse 9. The tabernacle is God's design. What do we have? Well, before we can get into the holy place, there's only one door, there's only one way. Does that sound like there's only one way to receive salvation? The first thing you see when you get there, and I know my pictures are too big and they're not quite the ones I was looking for, but this is the best I could find. On the Day of Atonement, the first thing the priest had to do was offer sacrifices for himself, for the nation, okay? But it's very specific in terms of what he had to do. But he started out with a sacrifice. The next thing the priest had to do is, I've got it a little bit higher, is he had to wash himself. Okay? Had to go through the water. Picture of baptism. 
water baptism specifically. The third thing, and the picture is a little bit lower, and it's the best I could find, okay? But the priest had to be anointed with oil out of the flasks that was in the, that area, okay? Oil is a picture, a type of the Holy Spirit. Only after he did those three things could he go into the Holy of Holies. What would happen if the priest didn't follow the protocol? It wouldn't work. He died. Because God says, if you want to approach me, this is how it's done. There's only one way, and this is how it's done. This is the protocol. Okay? If you want to find more, it's... And there's a lot of other places that bring in the rest of the detail. What was the purpose for him to go in there? Well to deal with the sin of the nation, but it also to be in communion with God himself. In our case, the protocol hasn't changed. Okay, now a lot of folks have received the sacrifice that Jesus died on the cross, but they wonder why there's no victory in their life. They've done the second step and they've been baptized as well, water baptism, okay? But there's no victory in their life. It's dead. Well, just like the priest, if he does the first two, bypasses the anointing and goes straight in, they have a rope tied to his leg so they can pull him out because he's dead. Okay, in our case, our life has no power. Okay, it feels like we're dead. God's way for us to approach him directly is through all three of the baptisms. That's why it's key. That's why it's important. Okay? How are we doing, Sean? What happens to us when we don't follow the protocol? Same as with the priest who doesn't follow the protocol. He's dead, they bury him. But in our case, we walk around, okay, wondering why God's not answering us. And he's told us very specifically, this is what you need. And I gave you four examples in Acts where they were very keen on bringing them in. By the way, um, see if I remember this correctly. Cornelius' encounter when the Holy Spirit came down occurred 10 years after the first Pentecost. And the Paul account in chapter 19 occurred about 25 years later. They're still saying the same thing. That's why the church in the early stages grew so quickly and so strongly is because they had all three and they were communicating directly with God. Okay, and they were being empowered. Okay. Oh. 
Now I'm going to turn from teacher to preacher. I hope I do it well. Not a preacher. Um, do we have any Christians here that don't have any power in their life? That they seem like the heavens are all brass? You have some concerns, but it just seems like God's far away. No victory? Maybe it's because you got something missing. Maybe it's because you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you've already done the first two, and I'm assuming that you have. If you haven't, I highly recommend that, first of all, you be saved, because you won't receive the Holy Spirit if you're not. I highly recommend that you get baptized, okay, because that's a sign of leaving behind your old life. Think about the Red Sea, slavery, crossing through the water, and being free on the other side. Remember that picture, because that's what it's about. When I first was a Christian, I used to think about that and going, what's this dunking in the water and all of that supposed to be? Well, it's making a step forward saying, I leave behind my old life. It's dead and buried in the water, and I come back out with new life. Okay? So think about the picture of the Dead Sea. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, You will receive power. You will receive power. What were the twelve like before the Holy Spirit came? They were all wondering when the Romans were going to come and get them and put them on the cross. They were fearful. They were hiding. What were they like afterwards? Is it right for me to to follow what you tell me or what God tells me? They were totally turned around. What happened? They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is only a part of the Holy Spirit. I guess Kathy says she's got more to say next week about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot in the scriptures about the Holy Spirit, so don't think that this is the whole picture. This is just the beginning. Okay? The Holy Spirit's very important. All three of them are because they're part of the triune Godhead. We usually relegate, or in the places I've been, they relegate the Holy Spirit to the back, you know, Stay back there. We just don't know who you are and we don't like you. Okay? But he's part of the Godhead. He's as important as the other two. Okay? One more note. That describes very specifically how God says you will approach me. Well, understand this. Okay? I hear in the word all the time is, well, you know, there's got to be different approaches. Mm. God is the one who decides how he wants to be approached, not us. Okay, and he said, this is how you do it. Okay? Would anyone like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today? It only takes a second. 
We are all baptized in the Holy Spirit. You may or may not talk and speak in tongues, but that's a different story. Okay? Well, just in case. You can do this on your own. You just don't get my prayer. But if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, what I tell you to do is just put your hands out. And that's a sign that you want to receive. You want to receive. Okay? And some of you might ask the Holy Spirit before I continue. Some of you might want to ask the Holy Spirit to forgive you if you've been saying some negative and bad things about him because of what you heard in the past. So you might ask him to forgive you for that. Okay, clear the air. The next thing is just ask him very clearly. Holy Spirit, could you please come into my life? Baptize me and give me the power that's been promised? Amen. That's all that's required. And he'll come. He'll come if you meant it in your heart as opposed to just, you know, everybody else is doing it, so I better do it too. Okay? And that's all that's required. Now let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these that have come to you and asked to receive your Holy Spirit. I ask you to fill them with your power, to witness, to live a victorious life, and to be turned around and to be very fruitful for you because that is what the Holy Spirit does. So I ask you to show them through growth in your signs that you have filled them. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Be blessed. Okay. Oh.